You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Mike Chappell is here. I am Dave Griffiths. I am here, and we celebrate the return of our glorious leader, Mr. Joe Hopkins, back to the board. Joe could not make it last week because he just was celebrating too hard Adam Vinatieri's struggles, but now he had nothing to celebrate this week because Adam came out and kicked five for five perfectly, and uh, Joe has to go eat crow and come back and be on the board, buddy. I'm glad to be back. You know, I was actually at the game Sunday booing every time Adam got up there. Of course. He just proved me wrong. So it was was good to see that, uh, you know, we don't have to have these Adam and Terry talks again this week. But uh, it's glad to be back and with all you beautiful faces. Yeah, Mike, we talked talked to Vinatieri in the locker room on Thursday today. And the first question I asked him was, hey, you said demons last week. Are those exercised right now? And he hemmed and hawed a little bit, but said you you move on from this. And certainly good to have what happened last week. But uh, every player goes through struggles and... Uh, he it, it was a very uh, it was a very Belichickian answer, but a little bit longer, I think. Nevertheless, uh, Adam Vinatieri right now, what's his status moving forward? Is is all forgiven, or is this still something that we're under a microscope right now? Oh, I think he's under a microscope. Mm-hmm. I, I do. And again, what if he misses a couple of kicks on Sunday? Then again, how short is his leash? I don't know. I, I would hope we've moved past this, and Joe can have these internal, you know, the internal fun with him, but. The last thing you want, and I thought with Vinatieri today, he's kind of like, do we really need to do this? Do yeah, we need to, do we need I, to I t- totally got that vibe. And, he, and that's where he goes into the coach speak, I guess. Uh, I, I hung around and talked to him longer just because I – He's so much better after that. And we're talking about his son. Sorry, just, we stick the cameras in his face. Right. And yeah, exactly. That's, he, that's our he, bad. He talked a lot about his son at Carmel and football and all that. And, and that's where that's where he went. He's tired of talking about it. But the fact is, we didn't, you know. There were a couple of players, Eric Ebram, in the locker room Sunday. So now, now you guys can quit talking about this. We weren't mm-hmm. making this up. Yeah, you know, you, you can do a lot of things with numbers, but when kickers miss, they miss. Hopefully, this is this is passed, and you know he'll miss an occasional fifty yarder or whatever. But he can be the guy that you want him to be in because this is we've talked about this. It, it's important because the way this team is is structured now, with percent instead of luck. These are going to be, for the most part, one possession games, mm-hmm. and points are going to be at a premium. You know, how often are they are they going to win? You know, fourteen points, not very often. Although there's some awful bad teams on this schedule, there really are. But you you need you need your kicker doing his job, and hopefully moving forward he will. We uh, we will get into the uh, Colts win over the Falcons a little bit later. But first, we have to talk about a little something moving forward. The one thing that's going to impact the Colts next week in Oakland that certainly came out of last week were injuries, Mike, and even the week before right now, because it was a, uh, a long laundry list of uh, of the injury report from from Wednesday's practice, the first real practice of the week. Uh, the uh, did not participate. I'll run down the list. Pierre Desir with a hamstring. And that's not the same injury he had last week. That was, yeah, that was a knee that he came back from. This is something new. Uh, T.Y. Hilton with that quad. We'll talk about him ad nauseum. Malik Hooker with a knee. We'll talk about him ad nauseum as well. Ryan Kelly had an illness. We anticipate he's going to be fine, just sick for a day. Uh, Darius Leonard with a concussion. Again, we'll get into that. Tyquan Lewis, an ankle, and Al-Kadeen Muhammad with a neck. All those that's, did that's not. That's six starters. Yeah. 
that all of them did not participate. Right. And then limited participation. Roland Milligan, another safety with a knee and Jabal Sheard, still working his way back from that um, that knee surgery, the procedure rather, excuse me, Mike, right. that he had uh, during during training camp. But out, out of all those, we'll start with Malik Hooker because we know for a fact that he's not going to be able to play out four to six weeks uh, with a reported torn meniscus and. Uh, so rookie Kari Willis will step in and uh, have a, as Frank Reich said, significant, his role will significantly increase. But um, Malik Hooker showed his value to the team in the first couple of weeks. So you bring in a rookie for him as impressed as the Colts have been by the play of Willis so far. That's going to be a big loss for this defense that has struggled, really, for the first three games of the season. And for the most part, you're replacing your free safety with another strong safety, mm-hmm. which which is an issue because, again, Hooker lets, lets, allows you to do so much with your defense Maybe you play him deep and you can move your, your other guys up closer. But with Willis, I mean, who, who's your deep safety? Now, I don't know that you have one because Clayton Gathers, is, he is a prototypical strong safety. He's a box safety. So we'll see how this how this limits him. And so, again, it's, this is this is four weeks that you're going to have uh, Willis and, and Gathers out there. And then all of a sudden now your depth is, is getting thinner. So uh, would they bring in another safety next week? We'll see. And then on top of that, complicating it is Darius Leonard, who no practice again today, none yesterday, which virtually in my mind rules him out. There are steps, there's four or five steps that you have to go through in concussion protocol. And, and, you know, first it is practicing limited. Right. And then once you do that without any symptoms, then you have to have a practice, a contact practice. So it's when you don't practice Wednesday and certainly not Thursday, you simply run out of time. And we we were talking about this before the podcast and um, just saying there are certain steps. And basically by Thursday, you have an idea of whether they have a chance. By Friday, the decision's kind of being made, assuming nothing happens Saturday or Sunday morning to revert back to um, uh, having your symptoms again. But And right now, with, with where Darius Leonard is on this Thursday, really not seeing him out of practice at all, it's it's almost a hundred percent likely the Colts are going to be without Darius Leonard once again uh, against against Oakland. If you remember back to last year, Darius Leonard's performance against Oakland helped win them that game. The, that the, was the, the play, the, the strips, the, the trip, the yep, strip. Uh, that was fumble. the punch exactly. Right. Yep. That's one. I mean, it's not not the lone play that Darius Leonard made last year, obviously, but it's one that sticks out in your head to say the Colts needed the ball back. They got the ball back, and Darius Leonard was the guy to do it. So um, it, it just kind of puts it. Uh, kind of in the spotlight for me, saying uh, this is this is a guy they needed against the Raiders last year, and they're not going to have him. It's going to be Anthony Walker and Bobby Okereke. Walker performed very well in in his role, kind of shifting into Darius Leonard's position, fourteen tackles. Um, that's a position in this defense that should make a lot of tackles, and Walker filled in quite admirably, I think. Okariki came in the very first few plays. I remember watching him down there. It looked like he was a little bit out of position in one or two plays I there. The big, I thought the big run was him out of position, yeah. and then he got engulfed by the lineman. Right, so it's a little bit of trial by fire still for him. He, I think he bounced back from that and had eight tackles in the game, but nevertheless, that's it's still a rookie. It's not Darius Leonard uh, on the field. And they're going to have to, seems like, go with those two guys primarily. And once again, like safety, Mike, they might be able to withstand one injury depth-wise. If guys keep getting nicked up, then you're really going to have a problem. Well, and again, we don't know him on Pierre Desir. Yep. We'll see how that, whether it limits him or whatever. So you, you're going to have three rookies playing a bunch. Because put Rocky Sin out there. He started two games when they've gone to uh, uh, their nickel. So it's, it's, it, it's an impressive rookie class. 
you would probably prefer not to lean on them quite so much this early in the season because right now this defense, in my mind, is not playing very well. It's it's third downs are awful. They're getting gashed on the run. They've given up, what is it, four or five 20-yard plays, which they're, they're not supposed to do. Third down, they're awful. And they're giving up, I think it's 11 plays, passing plays of 30 yard, or 20 yards or more. And the one reason of that is, is when they faced quality quarterbacks slash receivers, they've really had no answers. The opener with with Phillip Rivers and uh, Keenan Allen, and then last week with Matt Ryan and, and Julio Jones. And then you got Mariota in the middle of there, which, which helped out. But th- you would think this week that – Derek Carr shouldn't really hurt him. He did last year. He did, yeah. Is he 21 or 28 or whatever it is for 244 and 3? Yep. So uh, the defense has got to get some, get some things fixed. On the other side of the ball for the Colts, the offense could have a significant uh, change without T.Y. Hilton this week if he's not unable to go. And we've, again, just through our discussions, this is going to be a game-time decision, it seems like, Mike. We're going to go into Sunday not knowing um, T.Y. is going to have to talk to doctors. It's going to be as like T.Y. What he said was um, just don't know about Sunday. He'll take it day by day. Whatever happens, happens. If he feels good, he goes. And if he don't, it's coach. It's coach's decision is what he ca- is what he continued to say. It'll be coach's decision if, if he can't go. So it, it, that's very much a possibility that T.Y. Hilton will not be on the field this week. But we've seen T.Y. fight through injuries in the past. So um, that this this is a wait and see type thing. I think maybe he's limited on Friday, maybe. But I think there's a decent chance he doesn't practice all week and then perhaps play on Sunday. I went back and looked when he had the ankle issues in December last year. He practiced once in the last five weeks, and that was limited one time. And at the same time, he was the most prolific receiver in the league at the time. Their issue is, do you push it and and risk turning this from week to week into a month? Because he said they put pull him out of the game in the second half against Atlanta because they were afraid he might tear it. So do you think, and, and again, I don't think that the team thinks this way, but let's say we do. Do you think you can beat the Raiders without him? And I would say probably. I would hope so. And then if you want, At to, home. Take, if you want to take it a step further, then, then you've got Kansas City. Can you beat Kansas City with him? Uh, m- my argument is you can play your best game of the year mm-hmm. and probably not beat Kansas City. Yeah. So do you think long term and say, okay, set him down, set him down, then you have the bye week, so that's almost a month to get this thing right. But from talking to Frank Reich on Wednesday, he made it clear that if these guys, if this guy can play, if these guys are ready to play, they're going to play. They're not looking at, well, we can win without him, because about the time you think that, then something happens and you're you're 2-2 two and two instead of 3-1. and one. So, But I, I do agree with you that this – we're going to know tomorrow that Darius Leonard is out. I, I don't think that's not breaking news. Pierre Desir will probably be questionable. I could see T.Y. being questionable, but let's not know until game time. Jabal Sheard's still a week or two away, you think? Yeah, I, he's been. this is his second week to practice limited. But we asked Frank about that Wednesday, and he just the way he talked about it, it's a gradual process. We're bringing him along slow. Yeah, he's, he's trying to limit your right. expectations. I kind of thought they looked at this as a four-week missing four games, which – that means he comes back against Kansas City. But again, maybe you look at Kansas City and say, let's give him another week, get to buy a week, and then, then he's ready for the last 11 games. But no, I, I'd be very, very surprised if, if Sherrod plays this week. And I tell you, I think he's, he's, he's not the reason the defense is struggling, 
but people shouldn't dismiss the the value of Jabal shared to this defense. Well, the Colts have won two games out of their first three without him. Last week, a 27-24 victory over the Atlanta Falcons inside Lucas Oil Stadium. A home opening win for the first time since 2013. It's the hard to believe. Colts are 2-1 and one for the first time since 2013. That's hard to believe. Finally <laughs> ahead of schedule a little bit there, not right. behind the eight ball, and don't have to really band together and play catch-up throughout and, and the rest of the year. And play winner else for the rest of the season. Exactly. So um, it's still early. It's still only three games, but nevertheless, that's a um, it's a step in the right direction. And certainly, Jacoby Brissett took a step in the right direction against the Falcons. Had himself a heck of a day. Completed his first sixteen passes, threw for three hundred and ten yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, Frank Reich said you can't play quarterback much better than he played their post game. And uh, Jacoby just said that he felt like everybody was open on that first. Uh, and they were exactly they everybody was doing their job. It wasn't just Jacoby, but he certainly got the uh, the. Um, lion's share of the stats because of it. And it was a rare game. You just don't normally see that. I went back and looked at the way he started the season, and he was probably one of our big – I realized Joe's biggest question was Vinatieri. <laughs> but a lot of our biggest questions were how would Jacoby respond to being the guy? And I went back and looked, and he said seven touchdowns and one interception in three games. And I, I wondered how rare that was for the Colts. That's only happened three times – in team history, seven and one, or at least at least, at least seven, seven and, and no more than one. Mm-hmm. Some guy named Peyton Manning did it twice. Who? And some guy named John Unitas in nineteen fifty six did it. Wow. So th- this this is this is rare, and I think what's impressive about the way that Brissett's played is is he's done it within the scheme of things. There were times in the past where Luck would have three touchdowns and two interceptions, and there were a couple of other plays that were almost interceptions. With Brissett, there hasn't been those head scratching. What what did you see? How did they not intercept that one? The bonehead throws. The bone that the, the luck and, and that those those were self described by luck as bonehead yes. plays. So that's impressive. They they still need to get the running game cranked up a little bit more. I mean, after the big opener, it's 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 been sort of hit and miss. It would have been pretty lackluster this this past game had it not been for the the big run at the end. So. Uh, but I, I think what they're doing, it's it's it, whatever mistakes they're making on offense is are fixable. But I like the way the offense is playing right. The problem what it's doing, it's going to make like we mentioned earlier. These are going to be tight games. They're just not going to go out and run away from people, and, and have that thirty to ten lead in, in the second half. So it's gonna it's going to require you to be on point with their second second fewest uh, penalties in the league. Only two turnovers, and to think you can play that way all year, probably not, but but th- this is a good sign the way this offense has started. And, and their penalties was really, like, it was highlighted because of just how many pan- penalties the Falcons had. They came in, they were an undisciplined team, they committed 16 penalties. Seven first downs for the Colts. Yeah, because of those penalties. It was it, Watching them, it was painful for me, if thinking, boy, Falcons fans must be just livid. You right. only lose by three points here on the road. And you commit sixteen penalties, in and this your quarterback game. throws an interception. Where you want to say, what, what what did you see there? Clayton Gathers gets his first career interception. I was stunned it was his first interception. Yeah, me too. No one's thrown the ball to Clayton Gathers, exactly, except Matt Ryan. Yeah, boom, right to him. But anyway, um, I was kind of raked over the coals a little bit because I said, I said this team, this Falcons team, is undisciplined on um, on Twitter. I said that after uh, uh, Keanu Neal's penalty, like his. Um, his slamming the helmet to the ground after tearing his ACL. I I stand by my comment. I understand completely what Neil's going through. Another 
another injury that like ends your season probably that's incredibly frustrating but you still can't slam your helmet against the ground and i know eric ebron thought that it was a, a he wished that the call wasn't made because he's right there he's talking to the officials about it but you can't do it it's still against the rules and the refs have to enforce the rules they're not supposed to be um they're they don't take like compassion quote unquote into into them calling what happens on the field it's a penalty yes or no that's it i i I wouldn't i need to see this the the way the rule is stated because i thought it was if you take your helmet off on the playing field in celebration or demonstration or or something like that i I don't know if it addresses an injury i guess i i would like to have seen them pick it up because they've picked up things before but if it's if it's if it is the letter of the law then you have to do it but if ever you could you could show some discretion, that would be one. The guy tore his Achilles for crying out loud, and he's he, he's crying on the field because it probably hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. But if it's if if it's the letter of the law, fine. But if if there is some leeway, you pick it up and say, yeah, we're not going to do that one. Colts move on to face the Raiders this week. Raiders are two and one. They have lost two games. One and two. We- Excuse me, did I say two? I said two and one. My bad. They have lost two games after winning their opener against Denver. Against a bad Denver oh my, team. A team that has proven to be uh, very disappointing for our Chris Widlick, who has uh, fan ties back in the Denver. I see Denver, not, not straight too far. They've got, they've got zero sacks in three games. Denver. With and zero turnovers. With Von Miller and, and Chubb. Chubb. Zero sacks. That is flabbergasting. He should, Von Miller should fall into one. Just by accident. Right. Excuse yeah. me, but that, that's crazy. Yeah. But so yeah, so they've lost to Kansas City, which I mean, oh well, you lose to Kansas City, and they lost to Minnesota, which is as eh, maybe a a team that is going to compete in the AFC North. The AFC but, North, I mean, the NFC North, as they they have a ridiculous record right now against non NFC North teams. They're playing really well. The um like the Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions, like th- that division has proven to be a pretty good one through three weeks in the season. I think they all have two wins, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. And aren't the Packers a perfect three and zero too? Yes. Yeah. I think they I are. Yeah. So. And then the Lions are technically undefeated. Two zero and well. one. Yeah. Because yeah. I got that tie. So. But you're looking at the at the Raiders' schedule. It's at Indy, the Bears in. Is that the London game? I think they play the Bears in London. Yes, they do. And then they have a bye week at Green Bay, at Houston, home with Detroit, home with the Chargers. This thing could get out of the way, get out of out of hand very quickly for these guys. I think they're a better team than some people might think right now. Um, Derek Carr hasn't been great again so far; only four touchdowns and three interceptions. I think the rookie Josh Jacobs has looked pretty good. Um, a lot of questions on their defense, more on that side of the ball, which is kind of what it was like last year. Um, Remember, but- they, they lost Khalil, Ma- Khalil Mack. That's what John Gruden said. We lost him. Lost no, Khalil Mack. Yeah. threw him away. Yeah, right? Oh, no. Where'd Khalil Mack go? I can't find him. We know where him. he is. Yeah, I think everybody <laughs> knows where he is. So, yeah. You can say whatever you want, John Gruden. It wasn't, wasn't losing the dude. Well, one thing that's funny about the, the Raiders, and this sort of shows you where they are as a franchise now, one of the notes they've got in their, in their team notes, it says, winning ways. The Raiders are among the elite teams in NFL history, ranking among the top teams from... 1963 to 2019 and wins. Okay. I would think, how are you in the last like 15 years? Right. So but congratulations, the, you but, won in the 70s. <laughs> that's right. But and again, I, I guess you when you're PR, you have to accentuate yeah. the positives. But that's a that's a stretch. 
so far, uh, Derek Carr has been sacked seven times, which is kind of middle of the pack in the NFL. And the Colts, the first couple weeks, really did a great job getting after four the quarterback. Each, four yep, each game. had four sacks week one, four sacks week two. If you could keep that up, you'd be probably in the top five in the NFL at the end of the year. And then comes last week, and there was not much at all. And, and Justin Houston, talking to him in the locker room today on Thursday, was saying uh, he, he gave Matt Ryan a lot of the credit, saying, hey, he had a, that clock in his head. And that's what veteran quarterbacks have. You get that clock, and you know, I have to get it out right now. Right. And he did that. He did that well. And they had a couple of third and long situations, especially in the second half, that Ryan got it out at the right time to see Julio coming in on an in route, just finding the hole in the zone, and boom, making the catch, 13-yard gain, first down. I'm sure it was very frustrating to watch for Colts fans to see over and over and over again converting those third and fives, third and sevens, third and 11 even out there, and they could not get to the quarterback. So you're getting close to the quarterback, but close doesn't count, Mike. They need, they need to do better. They need to be able to put pressure on Derek Carr and know that, yeah, you've got that clock in your head for sure. You need to get there before the clock goes goes tick, before Th- that's Again, that's my concern with this defense as far as they've faced two elite quarterback-receiver tandems in Rivers and, and Allen and then uh, Ryan and, and Julio Jones. You're not going to have that this week. Uh, w- when you have passing games that just aren't elite, the, the way you keep him that way is it, get the quarterback off the spot. Like, like, again, last year in Oakland, Carr pretty much did what he wanted to do. He, he, he just really cut this defense up. And had it not been for Darius Leonard's strip of who was it, uh, Doug Martin? I believe the running so. Back I'm was, not positive. You know, who knows where that game goes. So you just have to make plays on defense. And Gathers made one last week, but they've just they, – they, they had a chance in, in the overtime – against the Chargers, and the Chargers just drove down the field on them. And I, I just have to think that if, if the Colts don't pick up, if they don't run the clock out against Atlanta in the fourth quarter with that great four-minute drive, Matt Ryan, I, I would like to like his chances to, to finish that game. I would too. So you know that that's, that's that margin of error I've talked about. So the defense has got to step up. And talking to Anthony Walker, he, he's just one of the more honest guys in that locker room. And he says, right now, people are comparing this defense to what it was at the end of last year, when it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was a top 10 defense last half of the season. And But remember, in the one and four start, it wasn't very good. No. So they, they, he thinks it will get better. The problem is you're going to be without your center fielder, who's who is probably going to play at a Pro Bowl level this year, and at least another game with Darius Leonard. We've had, I think the Colts had seven concussions last year, and Two guys missed multiple games. Clayton Gathers missed two games, and Quincy Wilson missed three. So it looks like Darius will be, you know, the multi, you know, miss games type thing. But you've got to this defense has got to play better because the offense is just not going to go out and throw up thirty five points a game. And, and, and you you touched on it. I want to expand the point a little bit more. Is that if you need the defense to make a play. Probably your top two playmakers on defense are out with Darius Leonard and Malik. You Hooker. can put Justin Houston in there. I was going to say, yeah, either but, Houston but or maybe Autry right. when he's in one of his flaming hot spells. Right. But but those two guys are the guys you count on to make plays, and and right. they're not going to play. So you're going to somebody else needs to step up this weekend if you need a uh, if you need a play. And, and coordinator Matt Eberflus told us that there was a time in that game against the Falcons that he had five rookies on the field. Yep. I mean it's it, it it's great that you have guys in a pipeline. But I remember back in the day, Marv Levy, the Buffalo Hall of Fame coach, said that his stance was that the more rookies you played, the you know the 
the worse off you are. Sort of, and mm-hmm. for every rookie you started, you lost a game during the season. So uh, he always said like the, the best rookies are second year rookies. <laughs> so we'll see. And, and the Colts are really high on these guys, and they're going to make plays. But rookies again, like we mentioned with Bobby Okereke, probably had a couple of plays you wanted back. Those are the plays that can get you beat. So we're just going to have to wait and see how these rookies grow uh, with expanded roles. It's different knowing you're going to play 18 plays a game as opposed to 55 or 60 plays. And they're going to be asking a lot of two or three of these rookies. At the start of the season, we anticipated the Colts would have to face a uh, Antonio Brown this week. Uh, fortunately for the Colts secondary, that is not the case. Brown has absolutely torched them in the past. On the uh, He wants to play again now. I'm sure he does against this Colts defense, but it's not Ben Roethlisberger suiting right. up on that side. Still, Carr's, Carr's a great quarterback. I'm not going to take that away from him. But nevertheless, what, what Carr's throwing to, and again, you mentioned earlier, it's been a couple great combinations that have torched the Colts so far. Rivers to Keenan Allen, uh, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones, guys that either have Hall of Fame pedigree right. or some of the best players in the NFL at their positions. Um, the the targets, the top targets that Derek Carr is throwing to this year um, without Antonio Brown. Uh, Joe, I'll, I'll brag to you for a second that uh, I actually drafted both of these guys in my fantasy league because I didn't know who would fill in for uh, Antonio Brown, but it was Darren Waller, a tight end, who's now leading the league in receptions for a tight end because he had like 13 last week or 14, whatever it was, and then also wide receiver Tyrell Williams, who scored a touchdown in each of the first three weeks. So even without Antonio Brown, Derek Carr is still finding guys to make plays for him. He's not gaining a ton of yards, kind of like Jacoby Brissett. He's only averaging 217 yards passing per game. But he's being he, he's been able to have some productive players for him uh, out there, whether it's Waller or um, or Williams. So Williams is a guy that I thought was the Colts might be interested in free agency. Yeah, we, we thought that in the offseason. Right. Yeah, I think we might have mentioned his From name. From San Diego. Yeah. I think he, then his contract was pretty yeah, massive. It was like a four-year, $40 million, right. And he said, we'll go with Funches. <laughs> exactly. We'll take one year, 10 a little bit, A little bit more of a... But no, yeah. why, uh, while you brag about your fantasy team, I have to be honest for a second oh, and no. say, I was playing my fiancé last week in our family league, and she had picked up Darren Waller, and he absolutely oh, crushed no me. Joe. I ended up losing by pretty much Waller's 13 catches. There you so go. Ouch. Got to eat some crow there. I know she'll listen to this and get a kick out of it. And the Colts did not look great against a tight end last week in uh, Austin Hooper, who is an underrated tight end in this league, I believe, um, but caught six balls, 66 yards, scored two touchdowns. You, you heard even Falcons fans inside Lucas Oil Stadium, they're shouting, hoop, whenever he caught the ball. So, uh, Those I might have been boos at the defense. I don't uh, know. It's quite possible that they were boos at the defense. But, uh, but nevertheless, Falcons Falcons fans made themselves known inside Lucas right. Oil. But Dirty birds. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's take a look at the Raiders' defense. Against the pass, they ranked 26th in the NFL, giving up 286 yards per game. They've allowed six passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Right now, so the defense in the passive game is not making many plays. They haven't picked off any balls, and they only have five sacks, and that's fifth worst in the league right now. So, um, I know the first couple of weeks, Mike, we were really stressing the Colts' running game, and that's because Marlon Mack was performing at a heck of a level and still performed pretty well last week too. But it seems like there there could be plays to be made in the air for the Colts facing this Raiders defense this weekend. They're still going to try to run the ball. We're going to yep. I tell you they're, they're yep. going to try to set things up and then if if they can get Marlon going, you know, they maybe you're back to Jacoby throwing the ball 20 times for 180 yards, but 
it, it looks from, from just on paper, this defense doesn't offer you a lot. Like you said, they're 25th total, 19th against the run, 24th against the pass. So I, I think there will be opportunities there. And the, again, the one thing that's really impressed me about Brissett is he's not put the ball up. He's not put the ball at risk. And if, as long as they do that, they're, they're going to move the ball. I'm still a little bit concerned that there's not more chunk plays. I may have to get over that because I'm not sure <laughs> we're going to have that. I, this is not going to be the a over chunk the top play team, I, I, yeah. unless guys catch and run. And I tell you, Paris Campbell, he's been close uh, on on that kickoff return. Was it third quarter? Mm-hmm. He was he was just about in getaway speed. Yep. When he got tripped up, so I think he's got the chance. But without Ty, if Ty doesn't play, I don't know where you go to stretch the field. I mean, you've got, I'm assuming you start Deion Kane and Paris Campbell. I, I don't know. Who are essentially a pair of rookies because. Right, right. Yeah. And your go-to guys are probably your tight ends. So it, it, this one without, with T.Y. you're fine. Just because even if he's out there, he's, he's going to demand attention from the defense. If he's not, it's going to really stress the game planning and scheming of Reich and Sirianni because you're going to go again. Last they went the first two games and and Zach Pascal had zero targets, zero, and then he has two massive plays this past game. So they're going to, have to find a way to get somebody more involved. Obviously, Ty's had 25 of the 92 passes have been to him. The second most receiver, I think, is Paris Campbell with five targets. So, like so 25 targets to five targets. Correct. That's what the drop-off is. And, and 20 catches to like five catches, so yeah. as far as receivers. So this, if T.Y. doesn't play, this is going to really make these coordinator guys and play callers be very creative on how to get other people, and not only involved, but effective. Yeah, to your point, T.Y. Hilton has more receptions, yards, and touchdowns than the rest of the Colts' wide receivers combined right. this far this season. And it's coming in a very different way. In the past, we'd see T.Y. be the guy – you know, maybe he'd have three or four catches on the game, but one of them was a 50-yarder. Nowadays, he, he's uh, on pace for his career high in receptions with like 106, but only like 1,050 yards. He's under 10 he's yards under 10, per catch. Right. So we really have that, haven't seen that deep ball, like you said. Brissett's top uh, pass as far as longest is 35 yards. Is that the longest for the team? It is. As I well? think it was uh, um, Pascal. Right. Okay. Right. Um, so that's what's, and again, I, you always look at what's been missing, and that has been, but if they can c- continue to be methodical, I guess is the word, that's fine. But you need an occasional chunk play just to make it easier on an offense. I think Deion Kane had that opportunity for a chunk play that turned into a uh, pass interference penalty. Was that two weeks ago? Tennessee. Yeah, it was against Tennessee. Just I thought it was. I was just making sure. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if, if TY can't play, then that it's a. Uh, Oh boy, like they're they're guys that you like, but definitely not guys who you've ever relied upon in the past. And um, out of out of everyone on that list, or out of every wide receiver, I think this might be a dark horse to really be the main guy. But Chester Rogers, Chester hasn't, Rogers. yeah, he hasn't done a whole lot this year. It could be his role to step in for Ty if Ty is hurt and kind of take over the role that Ty has had in this offense and still leave everybody else with the same role that they have had. That that's it, It's maybe not the, the most popular idea, but I think that's perhaps the most likely idea to happen if T.Y. can't go, Mike. Do yeah, you but, agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, yeah I, I think so, too. And, and 
because he 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 had what was it fifty some catches last year. Chester had a pretty good pretty good quiet seat. He had fifty two, fifty five catches, whatever it was, some big plays. So uh, somebody's got to step up. I, I you just can't say well we're going to go more tight ends now and get them more involved. Which sure you can a little bit, but it's not going to be the same thing. You've you've got you've got you got to have wide receivers make plays, uh, not named T. Y. Hilton, and, and we'll see. Again, they they've done a really good job of of guys emerging. I talked to Mo Ali Cox. He he had one catch and like one target the first two games as well. Mm-hmm. And then in this past game, he's more involved. But you've got to get the receivers involved. And if I had to, if I had, I'd, I'd go with you. If I had to guess one guy that if Ty doesn't play that has the six catches for eighty yards, it would be Chester. I I just think there's chances there. Kyle or uh, Zach Pastel still more the block or occasional uh, leak out guy, but Deion Kane is still coming back from the knee. Maybe he's all the way back. I don't know. And Paris Campbell has been more of a slot guy, but if you lose T.Y., things change. Heck, even Jacoby Brissett's wearing the Quentin Nelson hat. Uh, Run the, the damn, damn ball. ball. That one in the locker Where room this I week. get one of those? I don't know, man. I You're... want one so bad. I, I Google it and see. Yeah, Google right. It. All right. Maybe there's some money to be made there. Eric Ebron said that you'll never see him wearing that hat. By the way, just <laughs> right. FYI. Right. But uh, that you, you, I wouldn't expect that from Ebron. He loves he he loves him some Ebron and some catching the ball. He'd be throw me the damn ball. Exactly. That's what his, his hat would be. I know we've um, been kind of keeping track of the game picks. I don't know who you guys picked to win last week, but. Be fun. 20, Twenty-seven, twenty-three. I picked. Yeah, How close was, Mike was I? Very nice. Pretty I, darn close. I feel like almost every game this year you could go about twenty-seven That's to twenty-three. Exactly. And, That's what it's going to be. Um, it'd be not, it'd be fun to make a short little bet here about who we think is going to lead the team in receiving yards. I personally am kind of going to lean towards Deion Kane. I think he finally gets deep. We've seen him go deep, and they kind of use him as that field stretcher, sort of saying. Campbell's a little more short yardage catch run. I'm gonna go on the limb and say Deion Kane. I'll jump first because we'll take. I'm, I'm gonna take go Chester. Okay. On, on on quantity, I think he's gonna have six or seven catches for like 80 yards. I'll go. I'm kind of leaning between either Ebron or Doyle right now. So we were talking receivers. Are we talking receivers? Ev- everyone. Everybody. Everyone. I'll still stick. I'll still stick. stick with Chester. I. I th- I'll go with Doyle just to be to be a little different. Than I've, got you guys. To do my, I've got to do my multiplication tables. Okay, Jack will get seven point six, so he's going to need ten catches to get like eighty yards. Right. So I think I think Jack can have seven to eight catches in this game. Um, so he's, play, he's playing so well. He is. He's playing great. Really unheralded this year because he hasn't found the end zone yet. I don't think has he? No, no. But he's he's getting yards after the catch. He is. You know, not twenty, but he's getting right. six or seven yards after the catch. And, and, and you know, you know what's impressed me about Doyle is how Jacoby is getting him the ball because um, it always seems like Doyle's route is you like run out five yards and you turn around. That, that right. that's Jack Doyle's route right there. But what Jacoby is doing is he's putting the ball on the correct shoulder, like. If it's on the right shoulder, Jack turns to the right. If it's on the left shoulder, he turns to the left. And it always seems to be the right spot for him to evade the defender that's that's charging in on him. So that enables him to get those four, five, six, perhaps, yards after the catch. So uh, Jack has done some damage. Jacoby deserves a lot of credit for how Jack has been able to do damage on those th- second, third, and shorts, whatever, getting those first downs. So, well, so the, shout out to Jacoby for how he's to, performing. To close the game out on on Sunday, they they throw that 
pass on the right flat to Jack, and he hits, he hits it in stride. He turns up the field, slides down before going out of bounds. Again, I don't mean that we're making fun of Jack because of, because there are limitations in his game in the passing game. What he gives you is he's a chain mover. Mm-hmm. He just is. He wears your butt out by being in the right spot. He gives you blocking. But on, on third and six, he's going to get you seven and and maybe more. And as, as this offense plays out, as you're going to see, we, we sort of saw this last year before Jack got hurt, is, is Jack's going to be the guy that's more involved for the length of the game, and then Ebron is more that specialty guy. But Jack Doyle, I tell you, this, this league, it, as much as it's about the big plays, it's about moving the chains. And, uh, again, he is a security blanket, but to move the chains, that's how you get that 10-play drive. They had two 90-yard drives. Against ninety yard drives back to back, a touchdown, and a field goal, and that's where you're you're getting you're con, you're converting, and and Jack helps you convert all those short or third and short plays. And they've been able to run the ball relatively effectively on first or second down in order to keep those um, those third down short and manageable, and they're not committing penalties to to push them back on first and second. No, down. but they, they had a they had one where there was a holding penalty. I think it wasn't. It's first and twenty, mm-hmm. and it was three passes. It was like six, seven, and then eight. So, right. and that's how they've got confidence in what they're doing. I think I saw a stat, too, that Marlon Mack leads the league in first downs generated. And it just shows you he's, he's got that, that grinder part to his game, and, and then he's going he's gonna to break two or three a game, whether it's 26. He, I think he had two other plays over 10 yards. He's, just, he's turned into a really quality back. And that's something he's really added because his rookie season, he didn't have that where he'll go up the middle and push the pile forward. He, he like he bounced it outside a lot all exactly, the time. Exactly, exactly. He's really evolved as a runner, which is nice to see. And then it helps to have Quentin Nelson leading, yeah, p- pulling on that one, the one big twenty-six yarder, and he's and Quentin's bearing down on a DB. That's true. That Poor gives guy. you confidence that you can stick your nose up there in the line right. and yeah. Try to push forward for a few Um, yards. What I want to say to your point, which might help you win your bet of Jack Doyle leading and receiving yards um, this Sunday, is Oakland's not been great against tight ends this year, especially the past two games. They've given up 11 catches, 178 yards, and a touchdown to tight ends. Granted, one of them was Travis Kelsey, probably the best tight end in the game. But then three for 60 to rookie tight end Irv Smith Jr. against uh, Minnesota last week. So that's an area the Colts can definitely exploit. There we go. See, I'm, I'm prepared and I don't even know it right there <laughs> with, uh, with knowledge. Um, we, we haven't talked a lot about the run game yet. And uh, the Raiders are kind of middle in the pack on defense. But they have given up a lot of big plays in the run game. They've allowed four runs of 20 plus yards in these first three weeks of the season. That's the second most in the league. And I believe Marlon Mack did break one against them last year. That was that was a really long game. That was their back-to-back 200-yard game. Yes. With the Colts and at Buffalo and Oakland. Yes. So so look out for Marlon Mack for sure um, on on Sunday. I know we've talked passing game a lot, but nevertheless. And then on the other side of the ball, we, we I mentioned rookie Josh Jacobs earlier. He was the first running back taken in this year's draft. I remember we talked a little bit in the offseason before the draft saying, hey, if the Colts are looking running back right now, maybe Josh Jacobs would they be their guy. brought him in for the visit, and he shot hoops with Frank Wright. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll shoot a few hoops before the game on Sunday. Nevertheless, Josh Jacobs looked relatively good. He's eighth in the league in rushing right now. He's averaging more than five yards a carry. And the Colts are actually allowing more than five yards a carry, it's like five too. Five and a half, isn't yeah, it? which is which is less than good for sure. And I'm sure that not having Darius Leonard in the lineup uh, 
will not help them um, at all. So I, I'd anticipate as much as we've kind of focused a little bit on the on the passing game so far in this podcast, if, if the running game is king on Sunday, I would not be surprised. They, they, they really want Fr- – Frank knows deep in his heart. He really does. As much as he wants a top five running game, he, he realized that, it, that when it gets to you know winning or losing time, you've got to throw the football. You've got to make plays in the passing game because that's what this league is. But I tell you, if if a team allows him and Sirianni to run the ball 30 times for 180, they'll do it every day and take their chances because they know that more times than not, Frank's in his, uh, a chart with his, his, his analytics on the run game, and it's like 60% of the teams in the top five rushing make the playoffs and win a game. So he's committed. Of course, I also showed him that the top five passing teams are just a smidgen better, ah. but but he 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 believes in the running game. This isn't lip. This isn't in the past regimes where they said we're going to run the football, and they never ran the football. They're going to run the football. They believe they've got an elite elite offensive line, which they do, and they've got an elite running back. So if a team allows them to run whenever they want to, they will run it until. You can stop them. We were talking to assistant coaches in the locker room, uh, not in the locker room, at the Colts headquarters on um, on Thursday today. I noticed that you were talking to to Rathman a little bit, Tom Rathman, the the running backs coach. A- any pearls of wisdom that you guys discussed there that you could you can share here? I, I told him a lot of times we try to pigeonhole runners. Is he is he a finesse guy? Is he a power guy or whatever? And he he says we don't like to have guys pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. We want our guys to be be all around runners. Rathman was a power runner. Himself. Oh, he was without question, <laughs> without question. And, and the way he walks around now, you can see it. Yeah, because we talked about that too. He said he's had like eighteen surgeries. Man, he just had a knee surgery uh, like in May or June. But he and, and he says yeah, that, they want to wear they wear down defenses, and that's what this team has been able to do. And uh, he just thinks because it's funny. We talked to, the first time we talked to Rathman was like last a year ago, April, and we asked him about Marlon Mack. He said, "I don't know," because he, he hadn't practiced. Mm-hmm. Remember, he had the uh, shoulder surgery. He didn't practice until training camp, I believe it was. Right. So he's seen this this guy, this kid, grow into being instead of you know a one trick pony to where he maybe tries to bounce things outside. He's getting a lot of his strong plays up the middle where he hits the crease, and then he's got that quick burst. So uh, I, I think he really likes it. And, and he likes the, the other guys as well. He, you know, he, Naheem Hines being the the, the the third down guy who he, he says that they think it can be more than that. I need to see more. I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. And Jordan Wilkins, I think he's shown us who he is, which is okay, but again, too much of him. He's not going to break 50 yards every, you know, so often, and we still haven't seen Jonathan Williams yet. So right now, this is a running game that's, that that's revolves around Marlon Mack, and I like what I've seen so far. I I just think he's got a chance to have a big game on Sunday. Uh, what is he? Two hundred ninety nine yards rushing is probably top five. I haven't looked to see exactly where he is, but uh, it, it, again, I I'll harp on this. If if they can run the ball effectively against the Raiders. This will be a quiet game for Jacoby Brissett. As Joe looks up to see where Marlon Mack is in the NFL rushing, we will do predictions next. Joe, you got that stat? He is third behind Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. Dalvin Cook's had a heck of a season so far. My goodness. Um, and then, of course, run, uh, what was it? Run uh, CMC. Run CMC. CMC. I got alphabet soup confused there for a second. <laughs> so he, he's he's very good himself. So predictions. Mike Chappell was darn close to hitting the nail right on the head last week. He believed I 
27-23 was your prediction, Correct. and 27-24 was the final. So Mike Chappell right there got the pulse of Colts football, no doubt about it. So we go into another week, Colts-Raiders Sunday broadcast at 1 o'clock. Is it 1 o'clock game? Yes. On CBS4. I should know these things. Uh, Mike, what do you think is going to happen until, on Sunday? I think until seen otherwise, 27 is my limit with this team. I'm saying 27-17. I just, I just think this is one of those games where it's not going to take a four-minute drive to close the game out. I, I just don't know that the Raiders, when your only win is at home against Denver, uh, 27-17, I feel pretty good about it. I like the Colts as well. I think it's. I still do think it's going to be closer. I think that. Um, I think this could be a really, really tight game. Um, like comes down to the last drive like it has obviously the past couple weeks really um and we've gotten into that a little bit why but um i think colts 20 to 17 so i'll say it's a little bit lower scoring on sunday joe what do you think i'm gonna go colts 27 to 20 Mm -hmm. i think uh the raiders are going to be able to move the ball on this defense everyone has um, we talked about Carr being mediocre, but he's completed 73% of his passes. Colts allowing the second highest completion percentage on defense with 76%. And then we already talked about the Colts giving up a lot on the ground, too, and Jacobs being able to run. So I think the Raiders are going to be able to move the ball, and then they might stall once they start to get in the red zone. So I think Raiders are going to have field goals. Colts are going to have touchdowns, and that'll be the difference in the game. With the, with the, with the Vinny field, what would you say, 20 to 17? 27 to 20. You said 27 20. So that's a Vinatieri well, field, field goal. Or two in there. 27. That's two. My goodness. Joe. You didn't say all touchdowns. <laughs> I said the difference in the game is one team will score more touchdowns okay. in the red zone. Maybe the that's four, score four touchdowns goals. and he misses an extra point. And there you go. That could be it, too. <laughs> oh, Joe. My goodness. Heaven forbid I ever meet Adam Vinatieri one day. I don't I don't know what he'll do to me. He'll we'll have to, have to bring him pump, on the podcast. Far right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I thought I thought that Adam Vinatieri was going to take a swing at somebody in the locker room today. Fortunately, he did not. Just just because, uh, not not seriously. I, he just if you're asked the same question like three times in the same interview, I understand that you're going to get a little frustrated. And, and, it, and it was you ha- you have to realize that he was going to test. He's not the right word. He, he he wasn't in the mood to give you what you wanted to get. Yeah. So, sometimes you can lead players and they'll do stuff. With with Vinny today. Even last week when we talked to him, of course it was a different situation, but he today he just wasn't in the mood to have banter and all that. And it's, it's sometimes you have to understand that and move on, or you're going to get snapped dis- at a little correct. bit. A little bit, yeah. Right. So yeah, read the room, especially for a guy who's been in the league as long as he has and yeah. accomplished what he has. He's, he doesn't want to deal with that. Yeah, you you try, you fail, you move on. That's kind of what happens. Well, sometimes. you can try and you can try again. It's that third time when you're trying to get something where... It's like, man, this, it, move on. Right. We're done. All right. We move on to the AFC South. The Colts are tied for first place with the Houston Texans. Two and one after a win last week over the Chargers, 27-20. The Texans are very close to being 3-0 and themselves. Nearly beat the Saints week one, um, but have won now back-to-back games, just like the Colts have. Um, they will host Carolina with uh, Cam Newton out again. Um so, what do we think about the Texans this week going up against Carolina? I th- I still think this comes down the the South comes down to the Colts and Tennessee or uh, the Texans. Texans. Yeah, again, and I think I think one wins it and one gets a wild card. Okay, 
I, I still think they've just they've got they've got what you need. Not a complete roster, but they've got the the the, the dazzle. And the guys that make plays, and that's they win you games. Barring a Watson injury, I mean, the way he plays in that offensive line, it would not shock anybody to see him go down, miss a few games, if not the season. So let's hope that doesn't happen. He's a great player, but I agree with you. I think the Texans and Colts are kind of the cream of the crop of the AFC South. Kind of maybe a team that is on the, I, I say this with a question mark, on the rise, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Gardner Minshew-led yeah, you, you Jaguars. Can go, you can go with that trend. I want to wait and see. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm on, on board with you, but uh, <laughs> their, their, their quarterback has kind of taken the league a little bit by storm, or at least, if not the league, he's taken Twitter by storm, that's for sure, and uh, got a lot of love uh, for for the stash, um, getting a win to go to one and two. Um, but certainly not as not all is well in Jacksonville as Jalen Ramsey has turned a flu into a backache into a Twist. pregnancy. It's a ama- st- stick with your story. Yeah, have a story <laughs> and stick with it. Yeah, you know m- maybe his wife had the flu when she was pregnant. I, I don't know. <laughs> Ho- hopefully the baby doesn't catch the flu. Right. It's 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 the dysfunction of that franchise that worries me. It was like he had to keep making up like a better excuse. It's well, like, oh well, no, wait, it's my bad. Actually, he's pregnant. You're not going to make it, me come for that. It, it's you? what they say is, is if you tell the truth, you don't need a great memory. And <laughs> he said, what, did I, what did I tell you guys on Monday? <laughs> right. But they, now, now the team says no. He came to us at, in the was it after the game? Said he had a bad. His back was sore, but it's it's just it's the optics isn't good, and that's why you know if if this is the Jacksonville I've I've come to know and not trust. Then they lose Sunday to a very poor Denver team, right? And it won't surprise me at all. Or maybe Minshew is is the real deal. The real deal. Holy <laughs> smokes! How many real deals have we seen? You know, come crashing back to earth. But I just don't trust them. Uh, I was going to make a point uh, about Jacksonville. I forget it at the moment. But uh, so so maybe I'll come back. Oh no, it was like Jalen Ramsey is obviously not blinking in this stare down with uh, the Jaguars. Tom Coughlin is not the guy to blink himself no. <laughs> either. No. So this is, this is a standoff right now that I, I mean, I'm really intrigued by it just to see what happens because um, I, I doubt that Coughlin budges in terms of what he's asking for right now. Maybe if it's not two first round picks, it's going to be a first plus for sure. Like we talked about, like a first and a second or a first and a starter. Um, and the first depends on where is it. Where is it in the first 10? round? Is it, yeah, if it's late in the first if round, it's Kansas then it, City, really? Yeah, you want, you want, want Kansas City's yeah, first round pick? They might want two first in that right. in that sense. So yeah, that's that'd be why they would be holding out. So, um, so that's the Jaguars. The Titans also one and two um, have on uh, have taken two losses in a row after their impressive season opening win over the Browns, which is not looking all that impressive anymore because the Browns are less. Aren't than you impressive. interested to see like in? Six weeks where the Browns are. I am very intrigued. I mean, because it, this this could unravel. They, they've got a tough schedule. This could unravel quickly, and they've got personalities on that team that will not handle one and six very well. Mm-mm, not at all. And uh, you got the Ravens right there, who look to be the cream of the crop. I think in that that's who division. they play this week. I think it, I think you're right. And then the Steelers have Mason Rudolph, um, but I, I think that they could still do. Like turn out okay because the Steelers are kind of eh, and the Bengals are eh. so you're going to get a bunch of games against against those teams so they, they they have the opportunity to turn things around but but yeah like you said I don't know if they're well equipped equipped 
to face adversity right now. Anyway, that's the Browns. We're, we're talking the Titans right here. The Titans face the Falcons in Atlanta. The loser will fall to one and three through the first four weeks of the season. And uh, Marcus Mariota has been, once again, less than impressive. Only one touchdown how, pass. How close are they to it's, going to Tannehill? It's, if, they, if, if they go to Tannehill, I would be... I would be shocked, honestly. It, it would be the end of the Mariota era. Oh, completely. In I, Tennessee. I think they really try to stretch it out till the end of the year. I, the only way I see Tannehill coming in and playing is if Mariota gets hurt, and then Tannehill comes in, like leads him to a win, a comeback thing, and then they just stick with him. They're like, "Oh, we're going to ride the hot hand here. We're going to go with Tannehill." Um, I I find it. I would find it hard to believe they're just going to bench Mariota this year. They they could. Don't get me wrong. I'm not privy to their locker room conversations but i i would find that stunning if that happened so tennessee has atlanta this weekend then buffalo who's three and oh three and oh um nobody circles the wagons buffalo bills then they go to the broncos and then they play the chargers let's say they went lose three of those next four games and they're sitting at what is it two Two and and five two and five how how long do you wait? Because this it's it's a good roster. They got a good running game. They got a quality defense. But if your quarterback's holding you back, I it would it would be tough to do because then you couldn't go back to him, barring injury. Right, you can't do it. Can't do it. So we'll see. That that's their issues. That's their issues. So uh, fortunately, here I tell you, you want to look ahead. We we may have talked off air. I had the Colts going seven and nine this year. As soon as soon as luck retired, I thought you know seven and nine. At, at the risk of going against Frank Reich's one and zero mentality, look at that schedule. And if they, if these guys play the way they've played through this two and one, you tell me how they don't win ten games. I, I just it, it's the schedule is there for it. It's not going to be easy. They got again, the way this team's structured. They're, they're going to be tough games, but it's there for them. That's why I say it's going to be Houston and the Colts in December. And I do think one of the one of those teams certainly wins it, and the other team gets that wild card, and then you take your chances. For the Colts, it starts, well, continues, rather, this weekend inside Lucas Oil Stadium. The Oakland Raiders will be in town for a 1 o'clock kickoff broadcast on CBS4. This has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow us at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. You can follow Mike Chappell at mchappell51. Uh, you can follow Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Uh, Colts Blue Zone podcast is available on many different uh, podcast media. We can go Apple. We can go Google. We can go Stitcher. So many different choices. Download, subscribe, get it delivered to your mailbox week after week. And listen to us chat about the horseshoe and their prospects for the past week, the next week, all throughout the rest of the season. This has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 